Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. All right, everyone. Welcome back. This is our next episode, uh, episode number three, Camping Cabins and Coonskins. Uh, with me tonight, uh, as always, we've got JT, Howe, and Brian. Uh, welcome aboard, guys. Good evening. Hey. hey. Hello. Everybody had a nice holiday. We're back. And... Uh, we're going to start off this week uh, getting to some corrections and comments, as always. Uh, we have um, some comments came in regarding the Contemporary Resort uh, episode last month and also regarding the Speedway. Um, how we got some interesting emails. We kind of had like a little Twitter battle going on with animated uh, Grand Prix raceways. I put together some satellite images, and we found out some interesting things about the Speedway, which... We originally on the Tomorrowland episode said, "Hey, it expanded in '73." Yeah, uh, but it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, and definitely shout out to Marty Elchin for for doing some research and and getting us back on the right track because, okay. like a lot of other people, um, I read the Wikipedia article that mentioned that it was updated in '73 and without any facts to counter that, thought it was real, and. Um, Marty went back and pulled some some uh, some aerial photography, and then um, I went on the internet and found some other publicity photos from the era. And what we found out was, in fact, it was it was the same size as it was constructed in '71, and then the size was taken down uh, in order to add Space Mountain. So they. It was quite a considerable drop in 74, too, because they yeah. took out from the north side and two bends in the south were taken out. I, we don't know why the north was taken out for any reason. That's the weirdest one of all, because it looks like they took out uh, a chicane mm -hmm. in the north side, which uh, when I was talking about how they like tried to, to pick little pieces off of like Grand Prix raceways, like that's one of the few chunks that was, you know, an actual race thing. Right, right. Um, now, from a functional standpoint, when the cars are only going eight miles an hour, there's really no reason for a chicane. Cause <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. yeah, it's more of an annoyance than anything. Yeah, and if you don't know what a chicane is, uh, in for the listeners, like in racing, it's it's a, a usually like a mild turn that's put at the end of a straightaway, or sometimes after turns to slow cars down so that way um, they don't go too fast when you hit like a bigger turn. Right. Now, that um, chicane, just so everybody knows in reference where this would be, it, it would probably be somewhere between Dumbo and the Little Mermaid. That's how far, <laughs> if you're referencing today's world, that, that this right. is wow. how far out the track went. Um, and on top of that, the the large curve note, we also noticed in the, the satellite that at that time in 74, they bought the train line came in or out, which I can't remember which way it was, but they were, maybe that was in anticipation of the promise of a Tomorrowland station as well. Yeah, because the Tomorrowland station is one of those things that was in various locations in various maps. 
Uh, there's a really great rendering of the 75 New Tomorrowland. It's a painting from an overhead view where you're basically your point of view is the hub and then you're looking out and you can see Space Mountain and then immediately to the left of Space Mountain, you can actually see where the train station was supposed to be. Um, there was actually concrete poured for that. So before the arcade was added, you could go down there and there was basically some benches like with sort of built in seating that you could kind of sit down and hang out, which was a really cool space. Right. Um, right. But that project ended up getting canceled, um, probably along with a lot of the other stuff that happened after the the gas crunch. Right. So right. Uh, so the train station never happened. Never happened. And the speedway stayed the same way from 74 all the way up to about 88, somewhere in there. They did the construction for the opening of Mickey's Birthday Land. And that north area, um, one of the turns got, got clobbered again. And then again in 2012, they... They took out the final turn even more in order to fit in Dumbo. So I think we need to maybe do a little more research and find out what the true length of the track was from the beginning and down to what it is now. Uh, if you go to RetroDisneyWorld.com, our website, um, there's a I put together a satellite image that morphs over time uh, of, of everywhere from 1971 up through 2014. So you can literally watch the speedway sadly shrink be, before your eyes. So... But I don't know how. What do you think? Thousand feet, twelve hundred feet, maybe lost. Uh, it's amazing how yeah. much smaller it is. I mean, yeah. it looks like a good half of it is gone now. Yeah, it, it, easily. And you know, it's funny. I was on it with my son last year, the year before, and you know, you get on and you practically get right off. <laughs> it just. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I just did this. <laughs> it's, it's so fast. So yeah. But uh, again, thanks to Marty Alchin for for hitting us up with that information. And uh, just a note, we did update the Wikipedia article, so you should see some corrected oh, information in there. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving over to the contemporary, that was our last episode. We did get um, some information back, but I, I forgot to add something. I wanted to quiz you guys. And do you know what famous event happened at the contemporary? Anybody I know? do. You do? <laughs> yes. All right. And are you talking about Nixon? Yes, it yeah. is Nixon. His he's, famous, he's not a crook. Uh, he's not a crook speech was done from the contemporary resort. So um, now... When we get to the Polynesian episode, I'll be surprised if how does it know the famous event that uh, that resort played host just, to. Just so people understand, it wasn't like Nixon was on vacation with his family there or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. There was, he was addressing a, a convention that was there, like the Conference of Municipal Governments right, or something. Right. It was like a, like a sub group of supporters, like a good audience. For yeah, him it, it, he did this. not do that. In, in in one of those egg chairs with the map behind him and relaxing Correct. in Correct. the in, in, in the uh, the closets that you know the, the <laughs> as they slid in the chest the drawers, drawers. <laughs> he wrote it right in. So was his figure in the Hall of Presidents when he made that speech? Uh, yeah, it, it was there be. when the park opened. It was the, okay. The Nixon figure was there when the park opened. Because I it, remember reading. Um, reading anecdotes about how allegedly like the maintenance people would put handcuffs like on Nixon's hands because they're situated behind his back. It, like, it's, uh... it's possible, but they've always added the current president uh, as soon as they've uh, come online since 71. Uh, but the first one to speak was Clinton. The, the first one with a speaking role was Clinton. And he actually right. recorded his own voice. And then Clinton Bush and now Obama have all done that right, right. in succession. So there's your Hall of Presidents moment for exactly. the night. Now, speaking of, of chest of drawers and, and how, how you'll get to talk about the the other event that happened, the Polynesian in our Polynesian episode, you're just going to you're going to have to wait, which will be <laughs> broadcast from Trader Sam's. That's right. We got to get that <laughs> one right. from That's... there. Um, 
so speaking of our, our chest of drawers, uh, we did a little bit more research. We did get some emails regarding um, uh, the location. We're going to talk a little bit about a little later about the uh, construction area for the for the drawers for the chest. Um, but Brian, we did get some other people writing in about the earthquake-proof gingerbread house you spoke of um, that yes. succumbed to <clears throat> monorail vibrations. And we got some emails uh, asking us, wasn't the monorail designed to built on separate footings and foundations to prevent this from happening? Now that is, that is partially true. Uh, yeah, I, now I know from my own experience, if you go in there and sit there, you can always feel that ro- low grumbling. Now I went and looked at construction photos uh, very early when footings were being poured. I don't see any evidence of anything for that. I have some well, pictures. Of... Okay, go ahead. You. Yeah, yeah. The Original design was for the monorail to uh, be anchored to the building and go through the center of the concourse. Um, How that would have worked in terms of crossing from one side of the concourse to another, I don't know. But originally, that was the design of the building. Uh, The engineers uh, looked at it and told Roy, there's there's no way this can be done. Uh, It would cause too much vibration, too many problems inside the hotel. Uh, and they wanted to move it outside the building. And Roy looked at the, said the building will look stupid without a monorail going through it. So figure out how to, you know, typical Walt's brother, just figure out how to get it done. Uh, so what they came up with was running it uh, apart from the building, was not having it anchored to the building. So they're correct that there are separate uh, footings. The track, the monorail track itself is not actually connected to the building. Uh, but that doesn't prevent the monorail from causing uh, vibrations. They're just not as intense as they as they originally were concerned about. Uh, but there are stories that I've read from people who were monorail operators when the building first opened in 1971 that the monorail vibrations coming through the building would uh, cause bottles to fall on the concourse bar. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, I mean, the vibrations are there. And honestly, if you spend any time in the concourse, you can feel the, you oh, can yeah. feel the monorail come through. Right. You, it's like Jurassic Park, uh, right? You get those little consent in mind. Circles. This is the U.S. steel-built building that That's... you know they kind of flopped <laughs> right. on. On. So, I mean, this isn't right. like... Everything they promised about the building was inaccurate. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so add this to the list. And uh, so so to the person who emailed us about that, you are correct. Uh, things were done to minimize the vibrations. But as with everything else at Disney, it's an acceptable level of vibration, not no vibration. Right. Right. Absolutely. So we did um, have one other thing regarding, we had another individual write us about our, our contemporary Shag and Flare film, which we went through the last episode. Uh, and about uh, 353 in the, in the movie, somebody had pointed this out as well. I've got multiple emails on this. We forgot to mention it. Off to the right of the contemporary, you can actually see the construction of Space Mountain. So that portion of the film must date from 1974, because we obviously know the opening date of Space Mountain. So if you're interested in seeing from afar what it looked like during construction, um, you can take a look at that. I think that wasn't into what they call how the funnel phase or something after that, when they started putting the things around the top. I forget there was a funny name for it. I don't you recall. got me on that one. I, I forget what it was. I'll I will agree, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, yes and. It, it, inver- inverted funnel or something is what they call it. Anyway, all right, we'll, we'll move on from funnels. Um, we've got to get over to the main topic. So, uh, yeah, this, this month's uh, camping cabins and coonskins can only mean one thing. We are going over to Fort Wilderness. Now, for those of you that you don't know, Fort Wilderness did not open on October 1st, 1971. The story goes that... 
During construction, somebody approached Cardwalker and said, Hey, how's that campground going? And he replied, What campground? And later on, they had to get going on it pretty quick, and uh, hence it opened November 19th, 1971. So, uh, JT, I know you. this is a, a love of yours of uh, Fort Wilderness. Yes, you spent correct. a lot of time there. I know you're going to kind of lead us uh, this month, uh, but tell us a little bit what we got and, and uh, where we're going with this tonight. The the interesting now my time period with Fort Wilderness, like I've said on the first episode, kind of began in the mid '80s. So I was never there when it opened. But from what I've read uh, on the opening day, lots of things were different. Um, there were only 232 campsites there, um, and add on to the fact now we had 481 added in '73 and 113 more in 1976 so it was smaller and the other thing that kind of surprised me too is going from that whole uh is it ready in the what campground thing not a lot was set up they had a temporary reception outpost a temporary bike barn everything was kind of just thrown together just sort of to appease the campers so now i i'm curious um did any of you go rving in the 70s i I did not but i'm looking at this brochure of a family that does and it doesn't because it was uh, from what I've gathered and you know talking to relatives and that it was big time then. I mean yeah. that was kind of the 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 thing to do. So that's sort of why it happened. I think if Disney would have opened in the eighties, you might not have a Fort Wilderness now because it wasn't as I don't know. It didn't seem as big then. But yeah, um, it looks like from what I have read, it's like Winnebago. Um, they started as a company in sixty five or sixty six, and mm-hmm. uh, a couple of we kind of went from a a. Uh, from the hitch trailers, like the pop-ups, yep. to the full-blown RVs right around that time. So they were definitely right in the sweet spot. The interstate system was just getting built out, so it was actually possible to drive your RV from you know one state down to Florida in order to like hit the campground. Um, and also, I think one of the interesting things is if you go back to the very first plans with like Walt sketches, like it says, you know, campground. Oh, he wanted that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was in there from the very beginning. beginning, Yeah, so So how they missed it, I I, you know, yeah, check the validity of that story. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess from a uh, you know from a standpoint of we need to get some rooms and some guests staying on property, but hotels aren't our thing, and we don't have a lot of money to build stuff. Just clearing out some spaces for a campground and building a couple of buildings with some services stuff is certainly a cheap and easy way to get another, you know, 262 rooms on property. Absolutely. And, you without know, a lot of effort. The 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 availability for expansion it, it was tremendous, too, because it, it's on 650 acres. Um, that's a lot of land to do a lot of things with. So they definitely had the ability. And you're, you're absolutely right, Hal. I mean, it's, it's a cheap way to get people on site. And, you know, I know the attraction to a lot of people is that you're close to Disney, but you're away. Um, and I think that bought, that that drove a lot of people in as well. What's interesting with this place, and I really haven't camped that many places other than Disney, but uh, from what you hear people saying is, I, I'm pretty sure from opening until now, it isn't like camping at a normal, like, you know, Yogi Bear Park or any of those kind of places. It is more high-end. It is, you know, nicer places. There's full hookups that, you know, you can get cable and things like that. And then the other thing... Uh, that is big as their comfort stations, which is, you know, if you have a camper or a pop-up without a bathroom, there's these comfort stations located between the loops. 
they're always perfectly clean. Like ever since I was a kid, I remember going in, they were like mint condition. You go in, it looks like brand new and they still do to this day. They refurbished them a number of years ago, but they're always perfectly clean. And they, that's kind of that almost has an old Disney feel to it. You know, of that, that high end service type thing. Right now, you know, another interesting thing is I started going through a lot of the old brochures and I found that Fort Wilderness always came at the end of all the resorts. It's like, if you really want to, you can camp here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you ever notice that? They're always on the bear. In fact, even one of these, uh, I don't know what the date on this is. I'd have to check. But after they talk about Fort Wilderness, it actually says more luxury accommodations lie tucked away and going on to talk about other places to stay. It, it, it's kind of interesting that the after the fact thought just seems to be everywhere. It always it was you know very late in all and everything. And it is, I think it's like that too, even now, I mean, even talking with you guys about it, like most of you just kind of popped in for something, went to river country, mm-hmm. went to a store. It's not even a place to visit where when you do go there and we've stayed there many times, um, we invite people over, oh, hey, come check out our place. You know, we'll go to dinner. It doesn't have that Disney resort feel, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I've stayed at All Stars. I've stayed at, you know, the Lodge. You go to Fort Wilderness, you almost feel like you are separate from the world, like quieter, less, you know, high speed, just very relaxing is the well, feel you, I get. You feel like you're off property. It's yes. Oh, yeah. Really. I mean, you feel like you're off property. And, you know, as as Todd's referring to there, the first couple of years, there really was nothing there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with with. um uh, the railroad not starting until 73 and then pioneer hall and, and more of the fit outs, the trails end all not being built till the following year. You know, those first couple of years, you really were in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You mentioned pioneer hall that didn't open till 74. So you're a good three years after that. And one of the crazy things I heard on somewhere, I don't, I forget which podcast or which website I read it. Pioneer hall initially opened to show those Disney nature films, not the new ones, but like the old, old, you know, 16 you guys millimeter ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you'd go in there and you'd watch a film about, you know, whatever, you know, deer in the woods, you know, whatever. And it just didn't, it didn't hit, you know, it right. was like, just, we need something in here. So that's when the, the whole hoop de do dinner show sort of came about. Now, did Meadows Trading Post, was that open originally too? Or I would assume that came later too, right? Yeah. The Meadow Complex, uh, what year did we see that? I totally forget now what year. That was a later complex, a later thing, which I was surprised to read about because that was, that's kind of like the main pool there. And I don't right. know if there was really even a pool opening day then if that right. came now, later. The train went there, so it had to be sometime that the that the train started, which didn't begin operation as, as we pointed out to seventy three. So, mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting to find out if Meadows was open there. So, and we're going to talk about the train on a future episode, I think, in depthly. We thought in depth. Right? Why, why don't we brush on a couple points of it? Okay. Uh, right now, we can go. I I did some research on it, but I'll be honest to, to our listening audience, it warrants a full podcast. Um, we did some initial research on it. There's a lot to be uncovered, a lot to people to talk about, and I, I think we need to dedicate it. Maybe get some uh, guest stars on as well. But yeah, it began operation in '73. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, oh, yes. Fort Wilderness used to have its own steam train. Own steam train, right. It was the only Disney resort, and I believe to this day, that has its own attraction. Um, you would pay a, a dollar to ride it all day if you were staying at any other 
uh, Disney Resort. If you stay there, you could ride it for free. But uh, it was almost three miles long, uh, twice the length of the uh, Magic Kingdom. Uh, it was a much smaller gauge track, 30, 30 inches instead of 36. And uh, the engines were smaller. Uh, there's there's rumor out there that they were four-fifth scale, and that is just not true. They were uh, smaller engines called uh, saddle saddle tankers, if you will. Uh, essentially, the saddle was the sides of the engine. On each side of the boiler is where they held the water. Um, there was a problem with that, and that they couldn't hold enough water. That's part of one of the reasons that the train went went downhill, but not the only reason. So this train stopped off at the Meadows Trading Post. It went down, all the way down to the to the main entrance area. What was that called, JT? Down, all the way down... Uh, the reception outpost. Re- reception like main, outpost, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a covered building... Um, there's a parking lot there for normal people that don't yep. have a camper. And then there's also like a uncut, like a big covered, uh, awning you drive under and you're just like a guy sitting there and you sort of, it's meant for RVing. Uh, basically, okay. so. I, it went down there and it was, it took you directly, uh, to, to river country. So it was a great way. In fact, uh, I, I heard that at some point they had to start putting uh, rubber, um, rubber mats in the bottom so that uh, the people who were getting off were all dripping wet wouldn't get the train wet so yeah but uh which was was interesting now the reason the railroad went downhill um is that the what i've heard is that disney really didn't know how to to build a railroad very well when the magic kingdom was built they had people come in but for this uh it was put together by their own team um they the rest of the rails and the ties were not secured down nothing was tamped down and essentially through uh, just the temperature changes and the, the the florida you know uh weather and rain just started to erode things tracks were getting messed up uh and it didn't didn't last very long um and in fact uh you know it closed uh, it ran up to february 1980 actually is when it lasted so about seven years and then all the everything was pulled up and the trains were put into storage and as well as the cars now you guys have seen some of the cars around over the years, right? Where oh, yeah. Famous locations. Tell them about how. A couple places. So one one of the famous locations that were they became the ticket booths for Pleasure Island when that was a a separately operating thing. Right. Right. Yep. And now, do you guys know where the engines went and some of the train cars? Uh no, I do not. Yeah. Okay. Well, they all went. Fortunately, all have been taken. They they were found to disrepair. They've all been taken by private collectors, but. John Lasseter actually owns one complete train uh, in his own personal collection, which is pretty cool. So must be nice. Yeah, he's <laughs> sure. I'll take the old four. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, just 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 truck that throw, thing over. Throw it in my yard. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, which is interesting. But the rest of them are in hands of private collectors, which is is good to hear that they're they're around. Um, but yes, yeah, sadly, we're never going to see that railroad. But when you really think about it, that that's it's pretty unique. You know that you could you know, uh, get around. And I think that was kind of the idea before um, the trams came into play, which I know, uh, JT, you're going to go over here in a second. Yeah, I'll kind of hit on the, the trams. Yeah, go on the trams. That's, that's one of the biggest things that is the issue at Fort Wilderness Transportation. When you stay there, you're kind of out at your site, out in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, how do I get, say, to the Magic Kingdom? You have to get from your site to a boat, to a bus, somewhere like that. So they had these trams that drove around, and actually what they were, the same kind of cars that took you on the backlot tour, uh, the parking lots in the different parks and things like that. Uh, what happened, though, was I remember this as a kid. They didn't have those flip-down sides. They were just wide open, and I remember, like, you know, oh, we're going to miss it. We would run up full speed, jump on it as it's driving away, and hop on as it's rolling. So 
I'm assuming at some point somebody had to get run over. That's just me because it was, <laughs> I mean, you would just like, or you hop off at your stop before the thing came to a complete stop and then they would, you know, keep moving. So uh, there was a point in like the early nineties. I remember when you hit that visit and the trams were just gone and it was all the Disney buses then. So that's what's there now is the full right. size buses. I, so I, now if you park in that front parking lot, you get on a bus and drive around to the back. Yeah, you if you to, say, yeah, have to. Yeah. say you want to go to Hoop. So if I go to the Hoop, do you review? Yeah, you have to drive to the reception outpost. You have to go catch a catch a bus, which stops loop almost. Bus, right? Yeah, it's internal loop. loop. They all stay in there. It almost stops it. I don't know. It depends which bus you catch. There's right, like there's three like, different lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, when we go, we, we've taken my son to the um, to the Chippendale. Yeah, campfire, which is a lot of fun, which which you're stealing from us campers because you're going for free to something that we pay for. Uh, now, are those like hate... dancers with no shirts and bow ties, or are those no? <laughs> they, they're legit. Some were stored at Fort Wilderness Chippendale costumes yeah. that Chris Farley didn't wear, like the real guys, like Chippendale, and they you can roast marshmallows and they show a Disney movie every night, which is now copied at every Disney resort. Right, right. They, right. That was the original place to do it. And it is, yeah. it is a lot of fun. But what we do is we go and park at the Contemporary or park at the Polynesian, take the monorail or take the boat. It's a little more take relaxing. The then mm-hmm. we don't just walk down the meadows. It's not that long of a walk. And, and no. We, we enjoy it. It's, it's really as, nice. As an aside, Disney actually recommends and requests that people who buy, reserve, make reservations for the hoop de do review, mm-hmm. take a boat from the Magic Kingdom. They tell you to get yourself to the Magic Magic Kingdom and then take the boat from there. That's their actual recommended transportation route. I'm doing something recommended for one of the yeah. very first times. Okay. The, <laughs> the other, yeah, you're doing it correctly. The other transportation you can do there, and I don't know when this started, but it's, I remember for as long as I've been going in the 80s, um, golf carts are the thing at the phone. Oh, yeah. You you can go rent a golf cart, which it's for the cost of it to pay Disney. You could almost stay at a regular Hampton Inn for the night, but, but you pay that much, like you know, sixty bucks a day, and you just drive around on a golf cart, no license required or anything. The number of people that bring their own golf carts now and decorate. Oh yeah, I mean they travel with and... RVs and golf carts. It's almost like they tow them behind and uh, they decorate them. Uh, we we've always been there around the holidays. Uh, I'm sorry, the the, the Halloween air time, and you know all the different um, RVs are decorated literally like homes. I mean, lights glowing and the, the mm-hmm. golf carts are, have boo y'all, all these different signs on them and there's <laughs> skeleton lights hanging from them. And it, it's, it's intense. very community I mean, oriented and it, you, you know, that a lot of people know everybody else, you know, they, uh, and, and they're there when you bring your own golf cart, you can smoke any Disney golf cart. I've been run <laughs> past many times driving the Disney golf cart because they govern them to a certain speed and they're wimpy compared to the personal golf carts there. So that's a Disney leisurely speed, right? Just like, yes. the, just like the water sprites, water sprites. There, right. yes. There's governors right. on there. Yeah. So, all right. So we went over pioneer hall, um, trails and restaurant, or like, as I like to call it, the buffeteria. Have we have, have anybody eaten there? I've been there. Yeah, I've been there breakfast yeah. and dinner. I've been everything. there for lunch. It's a nice place. You got to get to it, but once you're there, it's That's a there. decent deal. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good food. I, I ate myself silly there one night. It was pretty, pretty good stuff. Now, um, right next door, Pioneer Hall, we've got the Hoop de Do. Now, I, I'm you, you may shame me for this, JT. I'm just one who doesn't enjoy that type of entertainment. But I know that it's been... a it's a cheesy humor. It really <laughs> is. It's... It, it is. It's 
It's it's one of the best places though because by the time the show starts, if you take advantage of the sangria, you are good to go. <laughs> so the show the... looks completely. I, different. Uh, I, yes, I, I, one of my my vi- I have not seen it yet, although it is now on my to do list because I've had a number of friends see it the last couple of years that really say, ah, you really ought to see it once. It's a lot of fun, and then they rave about the food that you know the strawberry shortcake for dessert. It's, and all yeah, it's the same old um, Disney Western food you but, get it like. But what I remember about it is when I first started reading the burn bombs guides uh, after my first trip to Disney in the 80s but before I was able to go back as an adult by myself I would live through these burn bomb guides and the burn Mm -hmm. bomb guides used to go berserk over two things Tonga toast at the Polynesian <laughs> and the Hoopty Doo musical review. And every Burn Bombs guide that came out every year was if you do nothing else, make sure you get over to see the Hoopty Doo musical review. <laughs> so it's been in my, uh, it's been in like my to do list forever. But I think I've read, isn't it one of like the longest running stage shows in like American theater history or something like that? I think all yeah, presidents gets the official nod, right? Even though it's audio-animatronic. Well, I know or Carousel, Carousel Progress. Oh, Carousel so, Progress. I'm getting confused. Yeah, Sorry. Carousel Progress gets the, the, the theater designation. But there's some there's something about it being the longest-running live entertainment show somewhere. And they just did some big lawsuit against it because they took a song originally that somebody wrote. I don't remember any of the details specifically with this, but literally just recently in the past couple of years, they changed one of their main songs in it, which, um, and they had to pay royalties to somebody for the past, you know, 30 some years for using their song illegally. So, damn copyright laws. <laughs> I know, they got them. Now, JT, and the Melvin the Moose breakfast show. I never that. went to this, you but I that. did that story on the site because I saw somebody selling Melvin himself. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on another podcast or not, but the uh, Theme Park Connection, I think it was, had it for sale. And it was a breakfast show. Basically, hoopty doo the Pioneer Hall, is useless during the day. The doors are closed. They have practice in there. But you walk by, it's just a big, you know, closed-up building. So they tried to put something in there like a breakfast-type show, and they had a big audio animatronic moose hanging on the wall and they sang and they did all this stuff and it was a breakfast show but i never went never never had any experience with it right wait the melvin from country bear jamboree it, it was really similar looking yeah if you look on our site um i the stories like i think uh, in the fall i posted it he looked just like he had a big moose with ant, you know antlers and all that stuff and he was full-on audio animatronic and and everything i that's about as far as I could get. There's a YouTube video of it, too. It's like Somebody. Bugaboo Breakfast or something, you know, like a Bugaboo Steakhouse for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's too. one of those things I kind of jealous, like, I didn't get to see it, but it, it looked very Fort Wilderness-y, like they had the same outfits that they had on, the waiters had on during hoopty doo you know, the it looked like overalls, all that stuff, but it looked kind of fun. I don't know. Now, you also had the, a very unique aspect to this resort which was the traveling resupply truck <laughs> I, I never I've, saw this either but i saw the pictures of it it's, a, it's amazing it's and it's a brilliant idea because you you're just talking about how the transportation you get on a tram if you needed something so this truck would literally drive around with you know sundries and grits and food and you, god knows shops, what else in there the gift shops at fort wilderness are unique in the fact they do have camping supplies they have charcoal they have you know i mean they they have repellent yeah, just stuff like that. You can buy the sticks to roast marshmallows, but then apparently when it first opened, it was a like an old time truck, and it had almost like a pickup truck bed yeah. on the back. It, it looked like a rolling like you know store, and it would pull up to different sites, and you could just buy stuff right there, fresh fruit, and you know whatever else you needed for your site. Which uh, it's kind of cool, but they don't do that anymore either. Yeah, so that's, that's gonna make you walk now. So yeah. 
All right, JT, so a little about the recreation there. We all know we had River Country, but there's a lot of uh, other things to do as well. D- different things at the fort that um, kind of made it that unique feel. Um, they had a swamp trail, which that was kind of before my time. You said you went on that, didn't you, Todd? Which one? The, the, the swamp trail? Yeah. yeah. I took a, in 1996, uh, we took a horse, uh, you know, the horse horse rides. And I remember an armadillo cut right in front of us. Yeah, those run all over. <laughs> they all over. All over. <laughs> it just runs Exotic out. Exotic wildlife. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, and there's deer. It's it's kind of an interesting area. There's just animals everywhere. The other thing was it did have the, the classic Disney beach. You could go swimming in it. Um, another cool thing I remember was sitting on the beach. You can see the fireworks to the Magic Kingdom, and they piped in the music there. So that was you know, kind of a different, it made you feel like you were close to the park, but you still were out in the middle of the woods. Right, right. Um, they had a really unique, and it's gone now, it was a playground that had like teepees kind of all sort of built into it around it. Like you could go and hide out in a teepee and pretend you're an Indian. I remember playing there when I was a kid. Um, and then moving kind of back towards that Pioneer Hall is the classic, it's gone now, the lawnmower trees. Anybody know what that is? I do. I go got ahead. To, I got right. to see it before they took it out last year. It's a shame it's gone. Uh, yeah, I was over there a couple years ago, as I mentioned, for lunch, and uh, no sooner did we get off the boat there uh, to head into uh, pi- uh, to the to the restaurant than I saw the lawnmower tree off to the side. So it was a it when they had in, when they had bought the property, they discovered this tree uh, where a self push lawnmower from probably the 20s or 30s was there, and the tree stump had actually grown up around it, so it was embedded into the tree. Uh, and at one point they actually had to cut the tree down, but they left the stump there with the lawnmower in it, uh, until last year when we were told that it had rotted to the point where they needed to take the stump out, which meant that the lawnmower tree went away. Exactly. Yep. And that's kind of on your way to, like we mentioned river country, which, um, if you don't know the story of river country now, um, we do have a story on our site. We got sent to us, um, kind of what it is now, which it's, uh, you know, we're going to have a whole show on it, but it was the first themed water park ever. Um, and being near Fort Wilderness, people had to come into Fort Wilderness to get to it. Um, had that old swimming hole feel. It felt like it belonged to Fort Wilderness. and But now it's been completely shut down, abandoned, and you can still see it when you take a boat to whatever driving by there. So for some daring adventure people, you can really still go see it, but we're not going to... Yeah, it's it's. There's been many documented uh, yep. viewings of it. People still go in there. I'm I'm waiting for the day when they demolish it completely, but it's just sitting there and the being uh, overgrown. Yeah, I have I have a theory, and and I don't know. I mean, obviously there's a lot of protected wetlands, and I'm just wondering if the demolition and the cost of doing that and protecting the runoff into into the the, the lake, you know, is it. I don't know. Is letting it sit there rot better than demolishing it? I don't know. The one thing I see, the trend I see, seem to see if you look at the attractions in the parks, it's like unless something's going to go back in that spot, it's like they just don't want to spend the money to demolish it. Right. Makes sense. That's really the biggest thing. It's like until there's a replacement slated, it's like they'll just let it sit there because it costs nothing to just let it sit there and rot. This has got to be the longest one that they've ever let sit for anything. When did it close? Like 99? 98 something on there i think it was 98 it was 98 but yeah. i i um I, i'm in construction i can tell you the demolition is almost as expensive as construction <laughs> uh you know and and when you do demolish it you've got gigantic uh plastic 
slides and tubes that you then have to figure out how to ecologically dispose of. I mean, there's a, there's a lot involved that it just right. doesn't make any sense. So how's right? There does, it doesn't make any sense for them to knock it down. And that was uh, all natural fed water, too. So just right. So until right they decide there. to build a vacation club complex there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, or, or a new resort, which well, is big enough that they could do that, too. What was supposed to go between that never was, right? <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> Junction, right? Yes. Buffalo Junction. Uh -huh. Never came around, and that would be a great spot. Now, I, I've got to read something here that, that I found. Um, I don't know what this came from. Uh, it's a little hard to read, so you've got to bear with me here. It seems to be coming from some sort of guide uh, to Disney World, but there, we caught something on here that was really, really interesting. Um, so I'm going to read this here, and then uh, we'll let Hal and Brian discuss. It says, uh, The acreage appeared even more beautiful as the brothers drove into the forest on a single dirt track leading to a small private fishing lodge on the shore of Bay Lake. So... What does that tell us about Brian? Well, Roy's cabin. <laughs> Roy's cabin. Yeah. What else, right? Um, and it says, soon after it was decided the campground would be located in the general area where the fishing lodge then stood, and then development would, would be undertaken in the area's natural beauty. So, now, how I know you did did some research on this. I know our, our listeners have been dying to hear about Roy's cabin and, and what the truth is behind. We've got some aerial imagery from 1969 that shows the exact precise location of a building on the edge of Bay Lake. We see photos of Roy walking near a lodge that seems to represent the same size and shape that we can see from the aerial photography. But you did some digging to... Um, you know, kind of look at the myths of him staying there and, um, and yeah. some other things. What'd you find? So, so even before it was the myth of Roy's cabin, it was the myth of Walt's cabin. Right. And, and for years, it's like people in, in the Orlando area had tried to track down this mythological cabin that Walt's, you know, allegedly stated. And then I think over the course of time, it kind of morphed into Roy's cabin and we saw uh, the photos from the Florida State Archives that looked like, oh, oh, there's a cabin. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we, I mean, I guess I'll let Brian take tell part two of it, and then I'll come in with the what I found, and then we'll. So Brian, tell us what we thought Roy's cabin was. Well, Roy's cabin was, to our knowledge, was an existing uh, fishing cabin, fishing lodge, uh, on one of the properties that they bought that bordered Bay Lake. Uh, in the location of what is now part of Fort Wilderness. Uh, and uh, there are pictures that exist of Roy uh, from the Florida archives having some meetings there early on, um, you know, while they were planning the development of the property and while the property was under construction. Um, that's most yes. of what we know. So so there was that. There was also this this myth that Walt actually stayed there, like during the times when he was down. <clears throat> Um, and I had, uh, friends that had spent some time driving around trying to find this thing. And, and I think what we ultimately, um, what we found out based on some research is that there, there was a Roy's cabin, but Roy's cabin was actually, uh, in Bay Hill. Um, when, when, uh, they decided to take executives and move them down to Orlando to finish out the construction of Walt Disney world, they rented six, the company actually bought like six small houses, in Bay Hill, um, which was the section that would ultimately end up being owned by Jack Nicholas. So 
in Orlando, if you were an executive mucky muck, there were two places that you would probably live. It, one was Windermere and then the other was Bay Hill. So, uh, so Disney bought six houses in there, put the execs in. So Roy Disney had his cabin uh, next to Joe Fowler's cabin. So that way they could just have meetings at whatever hour they wanted and just go across and have tea and breakfast and talk about where the construction was. So it was, it was really handy for that. Um, at the end of, uh, construction, uh, right. I think, I think there was a news story that talks about Roy watching the, uh, the Disney special, uh, on the opening from that cabin. And then after that, he flew back to California and then shortly died thereafter. But Joe Fowler actually stayed in that house uh, up until the point that he died, I think, in the 2000s. Yes. So uh, so he's, he stayed put the entire time uh, in that area in Orlando. Um, but as as we found out later on, it's like, this: yes, there was a cabin that was there on property. It was an old fishing lodge um, that existed. Uh, and then we found... Um, we found the other article. Um, Todd found that article that that mentioned it. Uh, and then I actually just read a passage in Reality Land that mentioned that the construction manager for Fort Wilderness um, set up his trailer next to the cabin. Um, they thought that they might be able to use it as a construction office, but by the time they got in there, it actually uh, was no longer structurally sound. Oh. So the cabin was demolished. Um but it, it was there was a real thing. It's like to our knowledge, uh, neither Roy nor Walt ever stayed there. But the cabin was a real cabin. Um, it existed, and it is no longer there. Right. Joe Fowler. Joe Fowler died in 1993, by the way. 93. Okay. 93. And, and for those interested, I know we've got. So, where is the exact location of this cabin? Uh, essentially, if you're coming off of the dock. Uh, at Fort Wilderness, uh, after you go through the beach, it would have been on your left-hand side, just about 20, 30 feet in on the left-hand side is what we understand. This could be the construction trailer that the picture I'm referencing, um, which we can certainly post with this episode, uh, comes from, from 1969 or so, um, so into the construction. There are some older aerial photography we're going to try to do research on that dates to the 50s that may really hone in on it um, a little bit better, but... So that's the, yeah. the the legend of Roy's cabin, right? Yeah, there is a smaller wow. cabin on property, um, which you can see in the pictures. Uh, that's kind of located right up to the edge of Bay Lake, right? And apparently, that was something that was built just to hold like the canoes and like some of the the watercraft uh, there. Yeah. So, um, so there is still there is an actual cabin like right on the edge of the lake, um, which you can actually see on Google Maps, I think, and uh, someone's got some close up pictures. But that's not either. That's that not, is not it. it either. Right. There was some talk. I think when we first talked about one of the first episodes i said oh it's over in the far south southeast quadrant and yeah no it was much closer uh, from what we do to where pioneer hall and the entrance stuff is today so interesting stuff well there we go so everybody that's been waiting for the uh <laughs> the roy's cabin and and you know brian you didn't have to mention it in this episode it just it just came out well, Roy's Roy's cabin is like cream; it always rises. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it just popped in there like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Just yeah. um, so, JT, I have a question as someone who never stayed there. Like, yes. If I didn't have an RV, did I have any other options for staying at Fort Wilderness? Could I pitch a tent? Like, was it the absolute cheapest way to? 
I mean, there there is the tent thing. I there's a whole section that is just tents, and a lot of times Boy Scouts will stay there, and you know, church groups, and it's just a big field. And you go, it has its own bus stop, but you go out in this field and you pitch a tent. You can also use a tent on a plain old campsite. Like you can rent a big full size RV one with t- cable hookup and everything, and put your tent there. Um, but starting in '86, Disney uh, struck a deal with Fleetwood, and they built these what they called wilderness homes. They basically looked like, uh, I don't want to say a double wide, but kind of uh, a similar type thing. It looked like a, like a motorhome without wheels. And you'd go in there, and I remember I stayed in it a few times. You walked in, it had a living room, a full kitchen, and then a separate bathroom like you know, with a shower, everything like that, and uh, a back bedroom with a door that closed. So you could sleep six there comfortably. Um, and if you jump ahead out of the retro era, the, the late nineties, early two thousands, they started upgrading to what they are now. They look like actual log cabins now, but back then they looked like almost like a, uh, very eighties motorhome without wheels. They didn't really, you know, they looked, you know, kind of dated. So. Hmm. That's cool. I, actually, so the tent thing really intrigues me. You I've can still about, do that today. Yeah, I mean, I've you thought can, about doing it. You can go to Disney on the cheap if you go in the right time of the year. I mean, you can get a tent campsite for like 30 bucks a night, pitch your tent there, and then you go and you're you're in the parks, you know, for, for whatever if you want to. <laughs> yeah, for, is, all, for all those people who say, I'm not into frills. Okay. Yeah. Shot that way. And you yep. probably have one of the nicest, nicer bathroom than anywhere, you know, you've ever stayed. I mean, with the comfort station, you just take your little golf cart or walk over there and you got a nice bathroom. It's all to yourself and everything. So what are the mosquitoes like? That's my only. I've never, uh, never had mosquito problems there. Disney does do, if you look at our river country story, they do do the chicken testing where they have chickens on property. Um, and they test them to see what bugs are biting and they spray uh, based on the different bugs that are biting the chickens they test on. It's like the myth of the cats that run around Disneyland at night to eat the mice. <laughs> now, okay, I, I've got, I have a conflicting information from the mosquitoes because we went there and started to get eaten alive. I don't know if it was just because it was oct- at Meadows. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, down by Meadows Trade. And, and we were with, um, we took a, a, a family friend with us and she did their her parents were out to dinner and, you know, she's four years old with my son who's four and goes, I'm allergic to mosquitoes. And we ran over to Meadows and, you know, got the spray and all that stuff. $20 we, bug spray. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, very expensive. So, I don't know. We we did get we did get quite a bit of mosquitoes. So, I don't know how. My, my business is only here. Summer and spring break. I mean, okay. I've never gone in this. I'm a work in education, so it's not. I don't go in those off season times. But um, yeah, it just. I think it depends. But never a problem. But the, is the the homes we were talking about the cabins? It is one of the few places on Disney property where you can get for a decent rate your own house almost. I mean, it's if you want to, you know, deal with the internal busing and that sort of thing. Um, you actually have a full kitchen. You can do that like they show in the promo videos. You can bake a turkey in your kitchen the day before you go into the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Only a matter of time before they're yep. converted to Disney Vacation Club. They very it, well so. could be, but right now, I mean, that's one of the few, you know, few places we do stay when we go is the house because you get a house and you, you go out on that deck. You don't hear a single thing and there's no all-star music, bright lights and everything. It's just very chill and relaxing. You can have your own I've got to check that out because I got to stay at the tree houses a couple of times. Oh, and that uh-huh. was my all time favorite. Now you so. stay at the old original tree. House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got that. That's where we, that's where we stayed. Yeah. We so if there's house. something similar to that still around, I'm so down with going to check. It out. is very chill. That's the biggest thing with it. Yeah. You are out in the middle of the woods and you don't feel like you're at Disney. Once you leave the park, you kind of 
wind down. But I always feel like when I stay at like a pop century or something for like a quick stay, it doesn't ever wind down. I leave the park, you go to pop century, it is still all in your face Disney. But Fort Wilderness has its own. It feels very brown. Well, yeah. not, not only that, too. The, the the effect of the characters and the theming is done so well that they don't stand out. Like you yeah. said, it blends in. It's just it's just so. a slight, slightly larger chipmunk running around. Right? It is yeah. slightly larger, yeah. <laughs> or hey, Mickey Brian, with a rifle. About, um, didn't you have a story about Airstream trailers there? Well, uh, before they built the cabins in 1980 what was that 86 yes uh sometime a few years before that they set up like a dozen airstream trailers uh which they uh you know for all intents and purposes were a test before they put the cabins in and you could rent those which was obviously revolutionary at that point because all you could do before that was rent a rent a campsite uh, oh i shouldn't say that there was an original cabin on site one cabin unair conditioned no bathroom. It was near a comfort station uh, that they allowed to remain, and they rented it. And you could see, it could sleep up to, I think, five people. Uh, but it was available for like fifteen dollars a night, which it was, was like a failed thing, wasn't it? <laughs> they like attempted to do it, or they were going to put multiples, <laughs> and it just didn't catch it just, on. There was the one. There was a a one standalone offbeat, uh, and it and it you know obviously in the Florida heat and unair conditioned wooden cabin uh, from April until October was probably not a very fun place to be. Now, inflation calculator, $15, where are we? Oh, come on now. (laughs) I'm going to guess in the 70 range, but I'm going to check right right, now. We're we're checking. This is a live live check of the uh, inflation. This is up to the minute. Yeah. Oh, listen to the, the, the computer in the background is hard at work I'm, calculating. I'm going to use 1983 as our base right. point, $35 a night. $35 a night. Wow. Yeah. I will say, though, I think some of the, if we go financial with the money, some of the richest people that go to Disney stay at Fort Wilderness with some of the RVs you see. I mean, it's like you almost get like to the point where you're jealous because they're chilling and they got a flat screen TV hidden behind a panel that has like the time machine in it. And they're at their RV there. And you're like, what? You know, your RV is like a hundred thousand dollars rolling home, you know, and you're. You're worrying about your golf cart that's 50 bucks as, a night. As you know, JT, it's more than $100,000. Those gi- I mean, they're basically oh, yeah. buses. They're yeah. basically gigantic motor coaches. So I'm jealous of the $100,000 ones, yeah. let alone the $2 I, million. I, I, I know a couple of people who have those you know, school bus-sized motor homes. Uh, elder, you know, I don't want to say elderly. Retired people um, who... They, that's how they spend their winter is traveling around in the RV and they will go to Disney for, I think Disney lets you stay there for a maximum of 21 days, I think is the limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they don't want somebody moving in there. Um, <laughs> but I think the limit's 21 days and they'll go down for like two and a half weeks. They never set foot in the parks, but they'll set the RV up there and, and spend the week, you know, spend two, three weeks down there. And yeah. if you check in as Edna and Earl and then uh, Bonnie and somebody else, you can say 42 days if you if you stretch it right. You there know? you go. Exactly. You got it. All right. Well, JT, I, thanks for your uh, research on this and your personal experiences. It's great sure. stuff. So uh, if you have any, if anybody has any questions on this, and again, we'll do uh, a little more detailed diving in on the train in a future episode as, as well as River Country. I know a lot of you are going to write in and say, hey, you didn't talk enough about it, but don't. Fear not, we we will get there. So, uh, JT, I, we're gonna pass the baton right back over to you for viewer mail. What do what do we got this month? 
Um, Candler, Candler Hobbs wrote us about the, uh, chest of drawers construction station, I will call it. Um, there was a spot where they built the drawers that were going to be slid in the rooms that went on the contemporary and the Polynesian. And he had found a story, um, on ImagineeringDisney.com that actually shows where they are located. It's actually still there, which yeah. surprised me. I was kind of like, wow, I wonder what they use it for now. But, um, Merchandise. Something, yeah, frozen. It's frozen merchandise. Frozen frozen merchandise. I don't even know if it actually is Disney owned and operated, but yeah, it is still there. It's just to the northeast of uh, I'm going to call it you know, Port Orleans and Dixie Landings. Uh, gives me a he says time capsule. Fifteen hundred Live Oak Lane. If you'd like to go check yeah, it out and see go. if there's any drawers still there, but um, <laughs> that's it's it's out there. And that's uh, Candler wrote us in at podcast at retro disney world.com to let us know that so thank you for that and i i did some other digging with the aerial photography i decided to try to figure out um you know where it was and what it looked like and when it was built and the 1969 photos do show it uh being built and um in one of i think it was 71 or so the drawers are all outside. You can see them lined up ready for installation. I think it was April 1971. And it's really interesting because in the photo, I had tweeted that out. Um, yeah, you can see a good 20, 30 or more outside of the building all, all ready to roll. And um, there's also some information on what actually went in it went on inside the building from uh, the general offices and the, the path that all of the... Um, all of the different uh, steel came in this end and this product came in that end and how it flowed through the building and out came the drawer on the, on the, on the, on the, on the other end. So really some, some interesting stuff. So. All right. Now we, we did get another uh, email in this, this month that we wanted to discuss. It came in actually fairly close to our recording night here. Um, George Taylor from Imagineering.com uh, uh, I'm sorry, Imagine, imagine Nerding uh, yeah. wrote into us. Yeah, I'm getting that completely botched up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he mentioned uh, episode two, you know, which was our, our contemporary, that um, that the Vacation Kingdom map was not part of the original decor of the contemporary or the Polynesian. Now, uh, he, he cites some stuff that in 1972, the refurb of the contemporary hotel, because a lot of the material and stuff didn't stand up. Um, new carpeting, new drapes, new color scheme, vinyl wallpaper, and that's when the Magic Kingdom mural, uh, sorry, the giant mural of the entire world was added. Now, uh, from what we've gathered, and in the U.S. Steel video, you see the child run into the room, and behind uh, them is the map, and that was actually pre-opening. So we're going to call out George here a little bit. We're going to try to do some digging on our side and uh, see which side of this uh, is, is, is the correct side. What do you guys think? You, you've seen the video. We've got lots I, of pictures. I, I'm going to say that's a good guess and thought by George from the greatest online show claiming that but um I I don't know if it the US steel video I think that is the smoking gun of the thing yeah I, I mean come on I don't know it's it, I mean just watch the video the proof is there yeah the, the kid runs in practically squealing with glee that behind him is a map of uh, of the kingdom and and it's clearly the Paul Hartley map um and it, yeah, I will I, say though that I don't disagree that there might have been a refurb in '72. Just judging <laughs> by U.S. Steel again. Well, we actually their, we, their... 
we talked about that, right? How you said, because when one of the films, you said, we're not looking at the original carpet. We're looking oh, yeah, at most, most definitely. Now, I'll back off on that, because when I did some, some double-checking, it's yep. like the carpet that was laid down when Bob Hope steps off for, to do that dedication in November yep. is the same one that we see later on in the 70s. Okay. So okay. that, but certainly the rooms were utterly and completely redone because what started out as a very super modern room on the inside that looked not wildly different from the contemporary, like suddenly became uh, completely different uh, in that. I'm sorry, not wildly different from the Polynesian. It's like the, the Polynesian rooms and the contemporary interiors, uh, the furniture and stuff looked very, very similar. It was all ultra modern. And then around 73, we start to see these changes where they start adding the the Mary Blair style murals in the rooms and really starting to like add a lot more of the, that uh, Mary Blair look uh, into the rooms where before they were all super modern. So right. they were trying to get a hold of like, how do we take this Grand Canyon concourse and like try to inter interplay it throughout the rest of the hotel? No, no, and I agree that I, I've seen a picture before where there's two people on a bed and behind them is the is the map and and in the blue color scheme that George mentions here. Um, but one thing I want to want to point out that is a point here is that if it was the fall of 1972, we're a full year after. Now, why would they hang a map with resorts that may not materialize? When did we learn that those resorts, the Asian, the Persian, you know, and the Venetian weren't going to be there. So why would they take the effort at that point to hang a map a year after opening yeah. that weren't yeah. going to exist? So we've got some digging. We've got I some think George has some more digging to do, too. I yeah. Mean, I we'll listen to, to Communicore. I like their podcast, but Georgia, I'm going to say no. I disagree. Yeah, so far we're, I'm going to go with you on that. We're going to have to do some... Uh, further research here and get back to you so if anybody out there has any additional information and i'll throw the uh uh a, a nod out to last podcast we had Ch chad lincecum of wdwmap.com on and uh for those of you who don't know what the paul hartley map is take a look over there and uh you can uh, he has digitally reproduced the paul hartley map that we're speaking of that hung on the walls in the contemporary in the polynesian so if you'd like to get your own copy on canvas you can head over there and also I think that'll settle the debate if you just buy your own map if just buy it. your own map hang it up at any time of the year any room you want any year you want uh it looks refurb good. or not exactly you can also get a discount too if you go to wwmap.com forward slash retro wdw so chad will hook you up with a nice discount for that so all right well that does it for viewer mail it is time to go into the puzzler so last month's puzzler we did get some responses back and i have to say that we were uh of the responses we got and, and we drew the names and and uh, the, the person who guessed it here i'm going to guess on his name is matt Bisiata. i don't know if i'm pronouncing that properly but congratulations you guessed it correctly uh it is mike fink keelboat's background music and, and more specifically we this is kind of ironic. Uh, he did point out, too, that the song is Red River or Red River Rock. It's, it's also played in Frontierland and the Wilderness Lodge. Um, but what's really great about that is that it also play, uh, plays in planes, trains, and automobiles in one of the scenes. And um, we mentioned um, our favorite Del Griffith selling the shower curtain ring salesman in last episode so wow look at unbeknownst that us, look at we look at that it's like now we're going to have you know instead of degrees of kevin bacon we're going to have degrees of 
playing Del Griffith. Oh, no. Del Griffith, yes. <laughs> Retro so. movie references. Retro yes. movie references. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So there we go. So Matt Pisada, congratulations. He won the Christmas ornament, he? Didn't won he? the Christmas ornament, yes. Yes. Centric circle, Mickey circle head Christmas ornament. So we'll be getting in touch with you and getting that out to you shortly. Um, and all the other prizes have been shipped to anybody else at Red. So um, let's talk about uh, this, this month's uh, puzzler. We'll listen to it in a second here. But JT, you've got the... The prize for this month. Tell tell everybody about the prize. Behind it is a fabulous month. prize. Actually, not related at all to this week's episode. No, it's related last to last week's. week's. We're yes. always kind of a month behind. Next, who knows? Maybe next month we'll give away a spike to the old Fort Wilderness. Oh Road. my gosh! Can we, can we dig one up anywhere? That would yeah, be. We'll cool. we'll get on it. We we'll have get a man, on. We got man on the ground. Something. Yeah. Um, this week's prize is actually a. I'm gonna guess mid to late 70s bar of dial soap from Disney's Contemporary Resort. And it actually says on the package, the vacation kingdom of the world. And you have that vintage uh, contemporary logo. It is shag orange in color. Um, It's very, very, it's unused too. So it is in the package (laughs) sealed. No, it is. This is an original somebody stole from the resort. So, oh man, security's calling us. Hotline, hotline, somebody's calling at the end already. Person coming in right now. Yes, they're they're on to us. You know, we, we. we so have. I see that's got the Vacation Kingdom of the World logo on it with the little Florida on the. So that's early. That's, that's way yeah, early. early. Yeah. yeah, that's early seventies. And I'm gonna guarantee it still works. So if you want to <laughs> pretend now, so you take or this bar of soap when you win, you get your map, you hang it in the bathroom, <laughs> right. you are just you're set up. That's it, guys. You know, by the time you know we get a few years into this podcast, we're gonna be able to really replicate an entire trip to 1973, 1971. You think exactly. about exactly. It'll be a kit. Map. Build your own seventies <laughs> yeah, trip to Disney. You'll send away for the kid, and you will. You'll just open it up, and it'll, it'll be amazing. In fact, we can store it in basements to give it that old, old smell too. So, all right. Well, we should get onto the puzzler. So uh, let's uh, let's take a listen to this month's puzzler. All right, so that's this month's puzzler. Now, remember, if you if you know or want to care to guess the answer to this month's puzzler, write to us at podcast at retrodisneyworld.com. All correct entries will be entered into the uh, drawing for the fabulous prize of the contemporary soap, as we just discussed. And all correct entries will be entered into the big prize at the end of the year, which will be one of the Paul uh, replica copies of the Paul Hartley cat. Paul Hartley map from wdwmap.com so uh, that will be pulled in December on our December 2015 episode so that's a big deal so that is a big deal so you know even if you don't want the soap Right, even if you want the soap, just, just work. Send your answer. Send your answer. In. And e- don't forget, even if you don't win the soap, if you have the correct answer, you're still entered into the big prize that will be pulled in t- December 2015. So, All right, so uh, the last segment of the show always is our film restoration. Um, for a thoughtful once-in-a-lifetime gift, contact Pixel.com to create pristine digital transfers from your old home movies, photos, videotapes, or slides. Uh, now available, they have the Reflectera app that puts all of your photos and videos in chronological order. To get started today, visit pixel.com or call 1-800-557-3508. So as you guys know, I've always been touting that I've got 
some film to look at and uh, of my own personal trips. And, uh, you know, we talked about my grandparents' film, and I always said that I had my own personal film coming for my first trip. Um, but here it is. We've, we've got it. This is what we're going to go over. This is Super 8 film with sound from October 1980. And actually, I have my actual passport from that trip right wow. here. Yeah. So this was the old passport um, that you would wear around your neck, which more people seem to be doing, but, um, and it had the stamp on the back, it had a hole in here where you'd wear it or tie it to something. And actually, if you look carefully in the video, you, I don't think my parents entrusted us at, at eight and three years old at the time to, or I'm sorry, eight and four to, um, wear it. Um, but, uh, we certainly, we certainly did. And, um, you, if you look carefully, my grandmother's wearing it in a couple of the shots. So actually correction, I was six. I don't know where I was going with eight, but anyway. Wait, so, so is that the all attraction? Yeah. Walk yeah. on whatever you want passport? Correct. That's why you had to wear it, right? You had to show it. So this says, uh, this ticket allows one child, the following transportation to and from the wall, from Magic Kingdom via monorail or ferry boat, Magic Kingdom admission for three days, unlimited use of all Magic Kingdom attractions, except the shooting gallery, Discovery Island and River Country for three days. Um, and only valid during Walt Disney World operating hours. Total cost. Anyone care to guess? One child. Twelve fifty. Oh, a little higher. It was nineteen eighty. It's a three-day passport. Oh, three days. Yeah, this is a three-day. Eighteen fifty. Oh, eighteen twenty-five after tax. There we go. Look at that, nailing it. That's impressive. But this is the one where is this during the time when the tickets were still being used, but you could buy. Correct. This because I I distinctly remember like not to get off track. It's like we oh. went one year and my dad because he worked for AT and T got this passport where you didn't need the ticket books. You could go on whatever you want. And yep. I was still fairly young, uh, but the the deal was you had to hang it around your neck in order to get through the turnstiles. And I was the most paranoid like ten year old that year. Because I knew that if I lost that thing, I would be killed. Yeah, I mean, this is this was gold, right? You had to have it. Yeah, this. and you, it was you... literally just this tiny little string. Yeah, it's right. Like... And I, that's right. And you can actually see, you know, of those. It, oh, it was red. Uh... You can see how it came off. I have another one of these in in the scrapbook. My mom saved everything. I not only do I have this, I'm going to throw out a little tidbit of inform- a, a little trivia here too. I, I have. The reservation. I have the resort card from the Treehouse Villas. I've got a lot of great ephemera to go through, but um, I actually have my tr- my plane ticket from a 1980. Guess how much it cost? 1980. Get your get your calculator ready on this, Brian. Get your calculator ready. 1980 from Newark, New Jersey, round trip to Orlando, Florida. 1980. Pan Am. Eastern. Oh. While what? Oh, 1980. Yeah. What else are you gonna go on? Come on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. A hundred and eighty dollars. Okay, how? Uh, one dollar. <laughs> one dollar, Bob. The price is right, Bob. All right, all right. <laughs> going for that. I'll go two hundred. Two hundred. Two hundred. JT, over. it's you. It was two eighty. Oh. Like, oh, I was only off by a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that bring us to in the inflation? In twenty fourteen, two hundred and eighty dollars yep. from nineteen eighty would be eight hundred and two dollars and forty five cents. Wow. Were you now, flying first class then? No, that was coach, my friend. So 
when people say to you it's expensive to fly, just kind of remember that. I always find that interesting that, you know, I, I fly down there for under $200 now or 250 The miracle of deregulated airlines. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Just so, That's insane. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing. So anyway, all right, well, let's get started with this one. So again, this is my personal trip. It is a, a long running time. It runs nearly a half hour. And I actually, I cut out the SeaWorld footage. I've probably got a good... 10, 20 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of SeaWorld stuff. So um, what's neat is that this one starts off, my my father was a cinematography major, major in college. So you'll notice that the actual, everything is framed pretty well. Um, but it starts off with us getting on the tram. Um, there is one disappointing thing about this film is that he didn't film anything at the Treehouse Villas that I can find. But Those are know. the trams that went around Fort Wilderness. Right, That's so they, they moved did. over there afterwards, yeah. yeah. No doors. Just... No doors at all, Just just... Hold on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for years, there were no doors. You That's may insane. Fall, you may fall out. Thank, thank lawyers. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Which is why you seated your children on the inside. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the same yes. thing you do on the train today. When's the train going to get something on the side, right? That, yeah, that'll be the end of it. That'll be the end of it when that happens. So, um, so yeah, you know, you, you see my brother in here. There's the monorail. The door is open. My dad did a great job ca- capturing a, a lot of nice little things that... Uh, um, that you wouldn't often see, and that most people didn't. Like he's, he's got a really good eye for those things. Is that but your grandma? That is my grandma, yeah. She's got a yeah. sweet brochure in her hand on the monorail. <laughs> I wonder where that one went. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's around the, um, I think it's around just shy of the two-minute mark, probably like around 130, I'm sorry, 140-something. You see my, my brother just run off and my grandmother go chasing after him. And so, actually, at the 205 mark, I'm wearing... My, t- my I'm where if you look carefully, it's waving in the wind as I'm at the top of them. There's uh, your passport. Castle. You can see the passport waving. Yeah, I yeah. can. Todd, how old yeah. were your grandparents around this time? Because I know uh, they were doing all kinds of traveling, and they were right, right. Let's see. My grandfather was born in, uh, I believe, 1917. So 1980, that would put him at what? Six, 63. Yeah. Okay. 60s. Yeah. yeah. 63. Yeah. Oh, and there comes the uh, howling wolf. At the howling. Yeah. It's outside of. So this, mansion. this is a question for how um, outside the haunted mansion, you know, there was always this oh, 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 <laughs> in the 1980s. But do you not hear it anymore because there's just too much other stuff going on? Or do you did they get rid of it? But I mean, in my dad's film, you could you can you can hear this. So, oh, you know, I, I guess I haven't been around enough to to notice it not there. Yeah. Um, cause there were, there were two great things about the outside of the haunted mansion. One was the, the wolf and the second right. was the traveling light effect. Okay. Which, no, this is definitely the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you could only see at night where it looked like there was a, basically like a candle that would go through the, the, uh, through the conservatory and then pass some of the windows. And that effect was broken for years and years and years. Uh, and they, they finally brought it back. There was a period of time in the 90s, too, where I think they added like a strobe light onto the back with a thunderclap and uh. the, and uh, try to make it look like it was lightning. But it, it didn't really work that great. But I, I cannot imagine a time uh, even now without that howl. It's like I'll have to go back and listen for it because that was such a such a to me an integral part of it. It's like not only because of that, but with, you know, with the rivers of America. Oh, yeah. Right across the way. It, it worked for that, too. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I want to say that one of the like the bend in the river right mm-hmm. there 
is named like Wolf's Howl Bend or something to oh. tie in with that. All right, so we got we got some research. Now, what's funny is when we would bring these films back and play it for family and friends afterwards, my my dad would always crack up because he'd be filming somewhere clear across the park, and in the background you would hear. <laughs> it was so loud, and you know the trees were smaller, so the sound carried it, totally different. Thing. Oh yeah, so, either, all right. in the park, it's like you'd either hear that or a train whistle inevitably. At yeah, some ex- place. exactly, exactly. Now there's a lost something that we've lost along the way at the four minute mark, which is the Avengerland Steel Band. Um, oh yeah, which is another fantastic thing. Uh, uh, David Coolidge's video uh, film he captured that as well. Um, I can t- I, I can also should mention too if you notice the colors on this film are pretty good. My dad was. All, all Kodak, all Kodak. So um, let's see here. Now, also, too, another thing we lost at about the 450 mark is the barking parrot. Yeah, there he is. Moving, zoomed in, he's talking, um, which is really cool because you just you just don't get to, to see that. I, what year was he taken out? How do you know? I want to say he was taken out the year that they built World of Disney over in the uh, – over it because he got moved over there for a while or he right. might still be there. But I'll I'll drop a little factoid that will hit if we ever do a Pirates of the Caribbean. That that him being a Barker bird outside was not his first location. All right. We're gonna have to wait till we do that episode. Yeah, then, right? so I'll let you chew on that for a while. But he, Yeah, everybody think about that. He lived somewhere else before that. And uh, when I say it, it will. I think it'll make sense, and some like gears will turn into some people's heads and go, "Oh!" And <laughs> and it'll also make sense why they took it out from where it was. But yeah, yeah. Now at six fifty-five, you can see my brother and I. Uh, I'm on the right-hand side there, just playing with the obligatory shooting at the cameraman. Uh, well, absolutely. I did that multiple times. If you watch, but the obligatory Pirates of the Caribbean gun, you you had to buy one. Now those were the ones you could put the cap in. Oh, you know, they had cap guns. You, they had it took stick caps. Do you remember stick yep. caps? They mm-hmm. were plastic. You'd peel it off. I think you either licked them or they had adhesive on it. I can't remember. And you'd get one one shot out of it. So, um, yeah. And from there, my dad goes into the obligatory parade, which you know, I'm not big on parades <laughs> now. I wasn't big on parades then. So we're we're gonna just zoom by that. Um, now, an interesting thing to note is that there's a great footage of us going around the the park. Now, this was October. Uh, I have the dates here. Hold on. Let me let me reference. This was October 14th, 16th, and 18th, 1980. Now, um, if, if you watch carefully in the film, they are in chronological order, and you can kind of see how one day turns into the next, and you can figure it out. But So this first day that we're working on here up to the 10-minute mark or so is still October 14th. You'll see Big Thunder Mountain mm-hmm. um, come around, and you can see it from where the Frontierland Station is, and that was a huge thing because it was under its testing at that time. And oh. my grandfather and my father got to ride it. Um, I haven't identified the exact frames of, of where where they are, but they are on some of the footage of later on of them riding it. So this was the test. And, you know, you can see a lot of the everything's working. The the, um, the possums are swinging around. The, the, the roadrunner and the snake are going at it. Uh, so it's 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 pretty neat, but yeah, that because that didn't officially open, I believe, until November. So that was part of the of the soft opening. There's there's an example of child abuse in here too. Is there is there at a, the what 13 happened? minute mark? Uh, somebody's yeah. uh, holding the the button on the water fountain so your brother can drink from it, 
Oh. And drinking Florida drinking fountain water is really should be considered some kind of abuse. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna. Uh, do Do you know who's holding? I it think down? it's Let your grandfather, but I, is it my I grandfather? So. I okay. love Florida water. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, like, it's, like yeah. And my 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 brother even puts his hand in there. It's so. great because it's like drinking yeah. from an old shoe. Yeah, it's swampy. <laughs> it's it. No, it's drinking pirate water. Is what it is. It's, <laughs> it's the same water. It's pirate water, as far as I'm concerned. Um. Now at the 16 mark, it looks like there's some of the the stage show at the Fantasy Fair too, uh, or Fantasyland Fair. What was that called? So, I forget what that was. Mickey's got big hands there's, in the 80s, it seems. I I want to break in and big. say that I've gotten an answer from the authority on all things Haunted Mansion, uh, MK okay. at MK Pony on Twitter. Foxy Hooks says yep. the sound is still there, the Howling Wolf, but it's been rather low these past few months. So. Well, I suggest we find that volume knob and crank, crank it up. up. They can think now, it's Rapunzel from her tower next to it, <laughs> howling. Interesting thing here, too, is I had my heart set on one attraction in 1980, and that was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And this was before the time of the internet. You could know it was closed. Look at the 1642 mark. The entire lagoon was drained as, it, as we go over from the skyway. I was crushed. And it didn't take. It took me until 1986 to ride it once again. So, um, and there's some great shots of Tomorrowland after that too, coming in. And and, and also too, you can see that it is called the Goodyear Grand Prix Raceway. My dad's got a nice shot of of that. Uh, and that first day rounds out around 19, 19 minute mark um, as we as we head. There's some beautiful Main Street in here too, with all the vehicles going, the yeah. omnibus. Uh-huh. Uh, that's really some nice stuff in here. Yep. yep. I have another set of film coming from my dad that he took with my mom uh, in, it was previous to me be born, so I had to be 72 or 73, and he stood on Main Street and photographed just, uh, I shouldn't say photographed, filmed just the signs. So you'll see the Emporium sign with the lights going around it, and then it goes to the bake shop, and he's got all these in order, um, and he's got some of the great fantastic pans, and that's another one that, that I've got to get out there we can talk about. It's really cool, because he was definitely playing with his artistic merits that he had learned in, in uh, cinematography school, or whatever you want to call it. So, um, a bunch of, now there's a bunch some, of balloons oh. at the 19-minute mark. It's one of my favorite things on this video because it's before they started with the balloons that are in Mickey ears inside the circle. It, they were just the shaped oh, Mickey yeah. ears. The shape. And, and the yeah. bunch of balloons in here. I mean, the only thing missing is Gonzo. Because this guy looks like he's... <laughs> I don't know how they get a balloon out of the gonna, bunch. <laughs> he's just going to fly. Yeah, just choose one and try to get it out. Um, all, right before that, actually, you see my brother riding one of the old metal strollers, which is which is classic. Child abuse again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not only that, then I shoot my dad with the with the with the snap. <laughs> I saw snap gun. So yeah, I just take a nice shot at my dad and the camera. Now you have to imagine this camera weighed I don't know how much. It had a boom microphone on it that with a telescoping thing it would stick out like two and a half feet. Uh it recorded only in mono. Um I've since converted this to play on both speakers but um but when the next day we, uh, or two days later we started off at the empress and uh, not the empress yeah the empress lily um and had uh, the character breakfast there and this is when the wheel the paddle wheel in the back used to rotate um and uh, you can see these big fabric patches on my brother and i that you know, said hello my name is which i never kind of understood because the characters don't talk to you so what do you, why is your name on your chest i don't get that i still have it it's in the it's in the uh the scrapbook oh, wow so now they look huge on me but you know okay i was i was six years old so but if you look at it on my brother i mean he's 
he's four and the thing is just or no, actually he was two there i'm sorry uh it, it's huge and there's more balloons there at the yeah that was about are... the 20 at the end of 21 mark yeah uh now there's something really cool coming up and we went over to the village marketplace looking around 2220 or something the whatchamacallit how you played on that oh right? many many times yeah on this day in this that, film, he was there actually. <laughs> that would no, that would be really <laughs> odd. That would be um, yeah, there's a picture. My dad even comes down the slide around. I don't know somewhere at 23 or so. But uh, and then there's some more shots of the Empress Lily, and you can see the wheel actually actually turning, which is really cool. So, what else did you guys find? Anything else good? I think we're around 24 minutes or so. Oh, uh, I see the light bite logo <laughs> behind the whatchamacallit. The- the, the light bite logo, the logo of the the restaurant that was right there. It's this oh, really okay. weird thing with like a bowler hat. And then the words kind of like form the shape of the face. Like <laughs> as a as a kid, it's like I was intrigued by a lot of the graphic design, like in the store signs at uh, at the Bonavista shopping village. Yeah, you, I, do, you I, do get some great. Uh, in the minutes preceding it, your dad takes some great pans of the of the area down there. Because uh, I think for people who've only ever seen it as downtown Disney, and we've touched on it before, but I mean, Lake Buena Vista Shopping Village was just gorgeous and serene and classy and everything that downtown Disney is not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to sum it up. That's 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 perfect. So yeah, now mine has frozen up here. I don't yeah, know mine why. has. When too, you get it. In- so. Yeah, I don't know why it's having. I loaded. If actually, if you go right to Vimeo, it maybe. Where where right. are you yeah. holding the birds at? I jumped ahead here. Mine's still playing. Okay, hold on. We'll get to that in a second, JT. So around the twenty-four minute mark, this is kind of fun. We we take out this pond, not a pontoon boat. We take out one of the little yeah. crafts, which is uh, I don't know. It probably seats about six to eight people officially. Um, and there was a scene in here that I always thought my, as I mentioned earlier, my grandmother chasing my, uh. Uh, my my brother was funny and you see me piloting the boat here but at some point in here my grandfather sits down with my with my uh with my brother and my father you see he just reaches over and slams the throttle straight up my my brother cranks the wheel to the to the <laughs> right or left and the boat just starts going in circles and you hear my grandfather go what, what, what where are we going where are we going and literally you just see the background swing around um which was great my and and i, I think at some point it's an, it's another film um it was actually video my dad just kept making this pirate voice when we rented it like in 1986 <laughs> and my mom got really frustrated at him david stop that and he's ar ar you know <laughs> he always wanted to be pirate i don't know so yeah, what I'm speaking of is at the 25:30 mark. Uh, you can see my father just reach over and gun it, and and then he just. And my grandfather looks around. He has no clue where he's going, and they're they're just spinning. I always got a kick out of that. One of the things I remember. Um, so I think after that, you see, we we actually take instead of taking the monorail later on, we take over the um, one of the other boats, and we head over to answer JT's question. Where am I holding birds? Discovery Island. Discovery Island. That's that. it. Yeah. I went to Discovery Island. There's. It was really cool. You know, I, I remember walking the paths. I, I went there a couple times, maybe two, three times. I, th- I went there in '86 or so, and and in '88 I think as well, and um, even up to the '90s two maybe somewhere but uh yeah they had the birds and i remember the giant tortoises that you'd walk along the beach and um 
there are two cans and flowers and there's a, a shot i think towards the end of where you can see the wrecked yeah, it's ship still there but not that doesn't look that good uh, it doesn't look that good anymore but you can see the boardwalk and 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 the the, the walkways were really neat because it was boardwalk and and uh they had the ropes going from it and everything which was really cool so but uh yeah that about rounds it out right there that's so a good chunk I, we, like i said the, I, i've never seen discovery island look like that before so that's neat yeah well there's a lot of birds mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> i like, see like a some kind of a furry animal what is that i don't know it's like a small reindeer or something oh yeah they i've never been there i don't remember awesome yeah so hopefully i'll get the the next one up um like i said i cut the sea world stuff out which is really just the shamu shows and we're not all about retros yeah so yeah but i'll I'll have to find the i'll I'll get the stuff out um and get the 1972 film out that my father took that's got really great shots so you know yeah brian if you like the shots that you saw there in the pans you'll definitely like the other one you've got a rarity Um, there because the boat that took you over to discovery island is one of the those osceola class mm -hmm. side wheelers so Uh, yeah oh it is i didn't even realize oh wow so did because it is shown i didn't even notice that because my dad does have the film of it pulling up to Mm -hmm. the dock right what mark is that? Did you, did you uh, I'm trying to get the, back there again. The About 20, 28, 20. 20, 28, 20. Okay. That's I'm cool. sorry, 26. 26, 20. Yeah. 26, 20? Okay. Didn't even realize it. I didn't even notice that. So ironically, I restored this. It's on my server at home. I have to play on the TV. I haven't sat down and watched the full 30 minutes yet. I've been so busy recently. So... But um, so, yeah, uh, now how you and I probably need to talk about one of the next films coming up. I know we're going to release it pretty soon, right? The Home yes, of Future I'm, Living. I'm furiously trying to write something for that. So that, that'll be out soon. OK, so for our listeners, that's going to be the next film we're going to release. I may release the 16 millimeter promo film in the meantime, but um, do keep your eye out for that on RetroDisneyWorld.com. So. All right, so once again, the film restoration segment was brought to you by Pixel.com. And also for a 10% off coupon, visit RetroDisneyWorld.com forward slash ImageWorks. And from there, you can learn how to use a coupon to get 10% off your film transfers, movies, videotapes, and slides. So, well, guys, that wraps up uh, another episode. Uh, cabins, coonskins. Campsites. What was the other one? <laughs> Camp, camping. Camping. That's, I, I, we got, went through an hour, hour and 20 minutes here and I forgot what we were talking about. So, All right, guys. So we got to decide on what to do for the next episode. Now, um, JT, you chose. How chose. And, uh, and Brian's already chosen. But I know it came around to me and I had an idea, but... We've stayed in this part of the Vacation Kingdom of the World for uh, three, four episodes now. I think it's it's time to move on. Don't you agree, Brian? I think we, we kind of discussed that. It's time. It's time. Yeah. So the where are we The time has come to head to where the 21st century began on October 1st, 1982, Epcot Center. That's right. You can hear the cheers going up from our listeners. Yes, they're doing it. They're moving over. So we haven't uh, nailed down the exact topic, but we figured we'd take it to a different time period and uh, start going over to Epcot. And, and, and if there's something that. you so, want to hear on Epcot, uh, then tweet at us or email us and let us know. So, yeah, we want to just wrap it up here. Uh, say thank you to our sponsors. Uh, again, as Pixel, we mentioned sponsors the film restoration portion. Um, Chad Lincecum at www.map.com and uh, Chris, Pol- Chris Buckholz Attraction Posters. Um, we'll post the link with this and, 
If you are interested in sponsoring any other part of the podcast, feel free to give us a shout at info at retrodisneyworld.com. I think, JT, you wanted to give a shout-out to some people. Yeah, I went to fortfiends.net. They're kind of the authority on Fort Wilderness. Got some facts from them. I was really hoping for some of the original Fort Wilderness guests to chime in, but I didn't get any of them to really... uh, So if they're they're out there and they want to email some facts we messed up or something, please do so. I'll tell you what. Why don't don't we get this posted over on there? You got the account. Let's post it. Say, hey, here's our Fort Wilderness episode care to comment we'll take their comments and post them up in the next for sure we always do right exactly so all right before we wrap up here one final word you can find us at at retro wdw on twitter and we're also on facebook if you search retro disney world and also as always visit us at retrodisneyworld.com we appreciate all of our listeners uh if at any time we'd appreciate a, a review on at itunes uh and, and give us a shout out if you have any questions you can email us at podcast at retrodisneyworld.com so uh guys let them know where they can find you and uh, then we'll we'll sign off for the evening uh, yeah, I'm uh, hoagiesgarage.com if you want to read about my vehicle reviews, product reviews, that sort of stuff. Uh, you can Ow. find me at liquidluau.com. You can get some of my Disney-inspired cocktail recipes there and link off to some of my other sites. And You can find Brian. me on Twitter at Brian P. Miles, and that's Brian and Miles with an I. <laughs> And I will say, if you follow all four of us, you'll see some general banter and yes, you know, uh, different things going on that we were trying to piece things together for episodes. So you'll get kind of uh, some hints about what's going on for the next episode or research that we found for previous episodes, all of the above. But again, we thank all of our listeners uh, greatly for listening to us. And uh, Brian, take us out. Henry from the Country Bears Jamboree would say, enough of this chit-chat, yik-yak, and flim-flam. See you next time, folks. What do you say, Sammy? I say, y'all come back. You hear? We hope that you'll be coming back again. That you drop in to see us now and then. We've done our very best to please with just the bare necessities. We hope that you'll be coming back again. Come again. Come again. Anytime. Welcome, man, is always out and seeing you is fine. We hope that you'll be coming back again. That you'll drop in and see us now and then. We had such fun, we're gonna cry. We just can't bear to say goodbye. We hope that you'll be coming back again. Y'all come back, yeah? Don't forget to gather your belongings. And your husband, too. <laughs> it's been good to have you. So long, folks.